great. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that these events really occurred. Sometimes we struggle looking back to things from yesteryear, from long ago. But this is your living word. And as we come to it week by week, we pray that by your spirit, you might indeed speak to us, encourage us, challenge us. And grant us a sense of your plan for us. For we pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Well, I don't know how you feel when uh, somebody says about what's the sort of plan of action you have for this week, this month, this year, whatever it may well be. I've obviously been in a very privileged position of being granted um, the month of August uh, to actually do something different. Forget church type stuff. Uh, this is your opportunity to take stock, uh, to get refreshed and etc, etc, etc. It has been an incredibly busy uh, year. Uh, many of you will uh, know something of that, but I have to say the sort of uh, job that I've got, most of what I do is unseen and behind and underneath at the surface. It's difficult to quantify, difficult maybe for people to grasp and get a, a full understanding of what that's all about. So oh, I've got a month, I've got a month here, I've got all the time in the world, what can I do? As well as those very spiritual things, and I did have some of those marked down, a couple of retreats, which was great, Christian festival, which was great, I thought, good opportunity to play a bit more cricket, that was good, some sunshine, the garden that's not really seen any work on it at all for two, three or maybe more years other than the lawn being mowed. And it was nearly the end of August before I kind of really got to thinking about most of those things. Where does time go? Or maybe you're one of those people who think, oh, it will be great when I'm retired. Because, now that's an interesting response, isn't it? Because then I'll have all the time. When did I have time to go to work is what many people who have retired tend to say to me. We can have an idea in our minds about what to do with our time or what we feel we should do and try to mark things out. But it can very quickly just go, can't it? Jesus didn't have email. He didn't have Facebook. He didn't even have a car. And yet in just three years, he seemed to achieve exactly what it was that God had preordained for him to achieve. I fall very, very short of that. But despite our maybe human failings, it's good to know that God has got a plan, isn't it? And we see something of that coming through from the book of Joshua, uh, not just in him as an individual, uh, but also in terms of God's people. Maybe you're one of those who've uh, had as a very special verse for you, the Lord saying to you through Jeremiah 29, I know the plans I have for you. To prosper you in a sort of like hope and a future and a beaming smile. You think, isn't it great that this our God is able to speak positives into us? Of course, the difficulty is grabbing hold of that and owning that truth, isn't it? God has got a plan for us individually as well as for us as a church. I want to 
think about that as we uh, put those two together really for, for some of us we'll be thinking about that in the context of what it means for us as a people and it's right that we all do that um, I know some people join in, in with us for a Sunday evening and you worship uh, God elsewhere and that's great thank you for coming it's thrilled uh, to have you with us but if you're a part of a different church begin to think outside uh, of here to your own fellowship your own church just to that corporate sense of what God is planning or purposing for you to be a part of but we need to think that through here the dust has settled we're 12 months into this brand new building what might God be saying to us now we've got a little bit of an idea uh, as to what has worked and what hasn't worked and there's been lots that hasn't well what about now a year on but what about for you individually what's your plan from here on in and there's no, there's no point, by the way, in quoting about how old you are or anything else like that, because if the implication is, therefore, I'm past it, well, why has God left breath in your nostrils? For as long as you have breath, you have a plan and a purpose in his eyes. So let's not overtake the Lord's purpose for us. And maybe we can pray for you what some of that may well be for our own uh, lives. We're going to step back into this point in history where God had a particular plan for his people through the book of Joshua. We're going to go back to think through what those events that they were going through then and what uh, uh, the implication may well be for us as a group of people hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of years further forward. It was after, I'm going to think a little bit actually, I mentioned about uh, this morning, we'll look at some of the uh, the background. The book of Joshua is the sixth uh, book in the Bible, not too difficult to discover that, you just need to count through, covers a period from the death of Moses to the conquest of the promised land under the leadership of Joshua. Joshua's name means the Lord is salvation. Uh, what a, a name to have, and uh, to have that definition. Centuries later, of course, Jesus was given that, that same name. Another form of the name is Hoshea, uh, the name of one of the prophets who's Prophecy is found in the book of Hosea. After years of slavery and then 40 years in the desert, God's people are about to enter the land that God had promised to their forefathers. Like that early uh, earthly version of how we may well be, one, in one sense, waiting for heaven. 40 years after crossing uh, the Red Sea, they were now ready to cross over at the Jordan. We're going to be thinking that through into the land of Canaan. It's been a long, long wait and we know a lot about what that means as a church for there to be a long wait even when we mentioned 40 years it was indeed nearly 40 years that as a building and as a church we were uh, waiting and anticipating for there to be a new building on the horizon it took nearly 40 years so we know something of that long wait most of the people of course who were involved 40 years ago are no longer around I remember David's dad actually digging out for me a few years ago some of the uh, first drawings of what a new building might look like for us as a church. Boy, would that have been completely useless and inadequate. Praise God that the initial prayers that were prayed weren't answered because we would have needed another new building anyway beyond that. It's been a long wait. What are you waiting for? And that wait has not yet been fulfilled. 
Often the older we get, maybe we've got that sense of aches and pains and we're waiting for that day to come when the aches and pains are going to be no more. Well, uh, you won't be surprised uh, to hear that there's going to be only one day you can guarantee that that's going to be the case. And that's going to be when we go to meet the Lord in glory. But it would be great for those things that maybe we're expecting to improve, do improve. But the wait seems so long and so difficult. Maybe you've prayed for a member of your family to become a Christian and they haven't. Maybe there's been an element of breakdown in relationship with someone in your own uh, sphere of contacts or family. Something's gone wrong and you've prayed and you've prayed and you've sought to do your bit that something may well work out. And the wait has seemed long and hard and painful. Well, sometimes that waiting is frustrating and painful. But sometimes it comes a time where that waiting ends. And I was reflecting that, uh, that nine-month period that a, that a mum has, where that, that waiting, nine months in one sense doesn't sound a long time, but boy, if you're uh, speaking to pregnant uh, women, that nine months can very often be a very, very long time. Uh, my sister was uh, was sick every single day of those nine months uh, of her pregnancy with both her children. On average, over those nine months, about 18 times a day she worked out for the nine months. So that nine months for her was a long, long, long wait. But then the day came when she gave birth to Adam and later Chloe. And of course that wait is then gone. And we forget quite quickly then that pain and that weight because of that day that then arrives. And obviously that will be the case when we're all in glory. But what about in the meantime that we're waiting? The book of Joshua speaks into that. We're not too sure who wrote uh, this book because uh, the book is called Joshua. We all like to immediately assume it was Joshua and it may well have been. I'm pretty sure he didn't actually write the bits that was to do with his funeral. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure that was somebody else. Um, But we do know that he was into recording. Of course, recording is something we're having to do increasingly in our day and age. Chapter uh, 8, verse 32. Chapter 24, verse 26 in the book of Joshua. We see there Joshua recording certain events. That was uh, very important. But what matters for you and me is that this is God's word. Uh, Both in the... uh, that uh, this book has been accepted as part of the Jewish and Christian uh, canons from earliest times, so it can be trusted. How long ago uh, was it that uh, that these events uh, took place? Well, some people are really into dates and that kind of thing and get really excited. For others of you, this will be the opportunity for you to have a bit of a doze for the next uh, minute and a half. While scholars place the Exodus and the conquest in the uh, the late Bronze Age, they argue whether to accept the early date of the conquest being about 1447 BC or, by contrast, a later date, about 1250 BC in the early reign of Ramesses II. The key questions for dating are uh, are all around the interpretations that people can place over 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 1 of Judges chapter 11, verse 26. There's a little bit of homework for you if you want to think through that debate as if your life depends on exactly when the book of Joshua uh, was written. I believe what was written in this book, all the events really happened 
I believe every single one of the miraculous events that took place really happened. For me, this is a historical book, a factual, accurate record of what occurred. But it's not just a history, history book, is it? When we come to God's Word, we come to His living Word, sharper than any double-edged sword, and it's important that we come to it in that, in that light. Yes, taking on board the events of the day, but alongside that, saying, God, what is it through your spirit that you're wanting to say to me through your living word? What is it that you're wanting to say to us? The events uh, are likely to have occurred, as I mentioned, uh, between 1400, maybe 1250 BC. Much of the book describes military battles. That's often quite difficult for us to get our heads around as, as believers when we think, look at all that blood that was being uh, shed. I don't want us to get too uh, caught up uh, with that, but rather maybe to see that this was a time and place in history where God won back a part of the world uh, from those who made for themselves other gods. So the time when paganism ruled the land of Canaan. And then God is breaking into this new situation. One person said, the purpose of the book of Joshua is to show the historical fulfilment of God's promises to the patriarchs and to Moses and to give the land of Canaan to them as a possession. It's evident at the beginning of the book, chapter 1, verses 2 to 3, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. The purpose of the book is set out right from the beginning. And like any good book, it goes full circle at the end. Chapter 21, verses 43 and 45, you've got that repeated theme. So the Lord gave Israel, gave God's people all the land he'd sworn to give their forefathers, and they took possession of it and settled there. Not one of all the Lord's good promises to the house of Israel failed. Every single one was fulfilled. Therefore, we can be encouraged with this. If God has made you a promise, he's not going to keep every other one and then break the one he made to you. That's an encouragement to us, isn't it? This whole book of Joshua speaks about the kingdom of God breaking into the world, demonstrating that no political power or man-made God held any real power at all. There's only one real God, and that's an encouragement. As I mentioned, this, uh, uh, the, the context has been, there's been the miraculous crossing of the Red Sea. And when we journeyed through the book of uh, Exodus uh, uh, a couple of years ago, I think uh, it was. But there's now soon to be another miraculous crossing, this time of the River uh, Jordan. And we're going to be exploring that over the uh, coming weeks. That crossing over the Jordan to a new place, new land of opportunity... And it's not that difficult for ourselves as a church to realise that and the application for ourselves in this funny little place called Pambury. Which was completely uh, against what we as a, as a church have been thinking through over the years. We were imagining ourselves and thinking that God wanted us to be in the middle of town because that's where we'd always been. God had other ideas. There was this people group growing and developing here. In Pambury. And then almost overnight, there was a series of God instances where God made it very clear it's not going to be in the middle of town. It's going to be in a place called Pambury. 
We were at the 11th hour and just about to sign on the dotted line for a new building to take shape in, um, in Trinity Street, just close to where uh, Iceland is. Actually, round about where the public convenience is, but it's better to say where Iceland is. You know where I am in, uh, in town. Church getting very excited because we were that close. And then all of a sudden, doesn't matter about the reasons, but council pulled the plug. Oh, yet another disappointment to share with the church. Here we go again would have been the repeated theme. I then had a dream. Very, very rare that I have a dream like this. And in Acts 16, uh, you may well uh, recall or remember, if you know the, the passage, uh, that Paul had in his mind, this is where we're going to go to preach the gospel. And then the Spirit of Jesus said no. What a bizarre phrase. We could debate that for a little bit, but we haven't got time. And then overnight, Paul had this vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come over here and help us. That led to us saying to the church, this no is not bad news. It's not for us to get discouraged. It's God. It's God saying no. All we need is for the man from Macedonia or our equivalent to say, come over here and help us. And we had a little chuckle and a little giggle, but we didn't know what that meant. I think it was within a week we had a phone call from the duchy to say, we've had plans that one of us has seen on, a, uh, on an estate agent's office in Panbury. We're two weeks away from finalising plans for a new school and some other stuff for the community. We'd like to invite you to a meeting. Now, the person who gave us that invitation was someone that I was involved with through the setting up of the quiet space in Panbury. That when that was being developed, we had to book a half-hour meeting about six months in advance to get about half an hour of this guy's time. So when he phones you and says, can you make a meeting on Thursday, we thought we'd better go. Here we are in response to that. It was quite incredible the way God spoke this whole host of other things that fell into place the whole church thinking we were going to be in town and then within a month we were having to say to the church this is what we believe God's saying and a hundred percent of the membership at that key members meeting Ian nodding at the back will remember saying yeah count me in a number of members that like also saying don't like pain Bree, but I believe that's where God is leading us so as we think in terms of purpose, we can identify with this long wait. We can identify with this new land that God has called us into. And of course it would have been very easy to come up with all sorts of ideas about what to do now we're here. We've chosen to do just two things really over the first 12 months. One of those was to open on a Saturday morning what we've called Cafe Church where we have the same theme as we do on a Sunday morning and Sunday evening, but we just do it over a cup of coffee and around a table and have a chit-chat through, through, uh, in the cafe, which has been great. The only other thing that we've chosen to do is to develop that cafe idea and see if we can be open through the week. We thought that's probably going to be enough to keep us going. Narrow at the phase of thinking, God, what is it you want us to build upon? So you can see some of the, the crossovers here. 
And I'll spend quite a bit of time in terms of the background because that's going to be helpful for us as we go on. But before you all fall asleep, some words of application. What then from those words that Grace read out to us from Joshua chapter 1 can we glean that's of relevance to each and every one of us? Firstly, from verse 3, God is faithful to his promises. We've already touched on that. Verse 3, God says, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as indeed I promised Moses. That's what he said uh, to uh, uh, Joshua. Of course, one minute uh, Joshua is there and Moses is there. And, th- and this is the, the subtle entrance of the new purpose for poor, uh, for, for poor Joshua. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, it's your turn. Get on with it. <gasps> wow. What a massive shift. And as I uh, uh, thought about that, I mentioned the, this morning uh, uh, someone that was uh, 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 involved over that 40-year journey as a man by the name of Doug Holt. And then just when it came to things really taking off in 2016, Doug dropped dead. But no need to talk. A lot of people think, oh, how sad, just like Moses. He never got to see. Oh, yes, he did. Oh, yes, he did. Don't we believe in eternal life? Why then in, in the, is the context of eternal life that he's no longer going to see? He'd probably see a lot better but he'd also have a body to actually be celebrating and jumping up and down. Humanly speaking, we probably all missed watching that look of of glee on Doug's face if he'd walked through these doors, but it wasn't to be. Someone else had to pick up the baton, as it always is. Here, in our passage, it was a man by the name of Joshua. He finds himself unexpectedly at the head of the queue with God saying to him, over to you. I wonder if you can identify with Joshua yourself. If not now, in a previous time, or maybe you know someone that this is relevant for. Maybe you're struggling with what God is calling you to do. Maybe suddenly the family situation is, it's now all over to you. Or it could well be a pet, uh, with a pet. Or it could well be with, uh, with another area of your life that you weren't expecting that suddenly this is all now down to you. And it seems too much. Maybe like Joshua, you know what it is to be afraid. Maybe you've faced insurmountable odds like Joshua. You've been called, it seems, to this impossible task. You couldn't possibly do this. But so often, sadly, we reflect on that only within our own capacity of what we think we are able to do. Of course, as believers in the Lord, we talk about trusting the Lord, etc., etc. But very often we still go ahead and act in our own strength. Good job Joshua didn't do that, isn't it? Our God is a God who equips those he calls. And whatever the role or the task is, if it's a God-led situation or circumstance or ministry, he will equip you for that. Just as he did Joshua. God is faithful to his promises. He also looks after his own. We read in verse 5, Halfway through verse 5, where the Lord says to Joshua, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Familiar words that God spoke to his people. And of course, the Lord Jesus picked up a similar thing, didn't he? When he gave that great commission uh, to those uh, few disciples there, way back at the beginning of Christendom. When he said, I am with you 
always. And if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to remember that that is not just when the sun is shining. I get a bit fed up with believers that talk all holier than now when life is good. Isn't God amazing? And then the sun is no longer there and it's kind of raining a little bit and there's tragedy and there's suffering and there's pain. And then the doubts creep in. God, where are you? God, you've left me. I don't even know if there's a God anymore. It's during those times we need to remember, isn't it? What God has said to us. Because what God has said is truth. is true regardless of our circumstances. Or what we feel. And if we place our faith in what we feel. Oh boy. We are heading for trouble. We have to place our faith in God's unchanging word. He does indeed look after his own. Why is it that so many have been blessed by that footprints poem? Unless it was because it gave some reassurance of what people knew deep down was true. You know that footprints poem? Of the two sets of footprints and the one set of footprints. Why did you leave me during those darkest times in my life? No, it was then my precious child that I carried you. And people have got that on their walls, in homes and things like that. Because we all need that reminder that we're never going to be alone. That there is one bigger than and greater than ourselves who's able to carry us through those more difficult times. Why is it that so many people have testified that when they were most down and out, there was that sense of an awareness that they were not alone and had one beside them? It's only the Christian believer who's able to have that sense of assurance from within of God's Holy Spirit. Now I know there are darker times where we don't feel that, but again, don't go on what you feel. If you do feel the positives, that's an extra blessing. Bottom line is we need to come back to trusting what God has already said and to place our trust in him. God believes in us. I don't know how amazing Joshua was. He may well have been as an amazing person as Mr. Ian Blackie at the back. I don't know if he was quite that amazing. Who knows? But he wouldn't have been perfect. None of us are perfect. But we're kind of good enough if we're trusting in him. God wanting to dust us down and give us something that is ours. And he speaks some some encouraging uh, words. Uh, there's a, a, a cycle of repetition in what he says. We're going to pick up on verses 6, six uh, start of 7 and, and verse 9. He says, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. And maybe at that point Joshua's looking over his shoulder. <laughs> what? And he's seeing all those people. Little me? You're having a laugh. Be strong and very courageous. There's the repeat. And then in verse 9. Have I not commanded you? This is God. The God who made the entire universe as well as making Joshua and you and me. He says, have I not commanded you? Is that not good enough? If I've said it, you're going to be okay. And then he follows that up by saying yet again. Be strong. And courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. 
for the Lord your God is with you. It was sung yesterday morning in Cafe Church by all accounts. Remember that simple kids chorus? Well, maybe Joshua was completely thrown at the Lord Almighty speaking into his life. Maybe he had a chat with somebody like Dave Enright afterwards as his world was turned upside down. He said, I've got no idea what to do first. I've got no idea what God is saying to me. And Dave, being an astute kind of chap, sort of, would say, I know what God is saying to you, Joshua. What? What? Tell me, tell me. Be strong and courageous. Why would he quote that? Because God had already said it three times. We only need it once. How did things go pear-shaped in the Garden of Eden? Didn't it all start with there being doubt over what God had already said? Check it out. That kind of little altercation that the serpent had uh, with Eve. Hey, look at this fruit. Oh, well, God said, did God really say? Sowing in lies, doubt. Doubting what God had already said. God already said the previous chapter exactly what's going to happen. Don't doubt what God has already said. And however long you've been a believer, you need to hear those words. I've put on a pedestal. I lost count of too many believers that then somehow a time came where their faith was absolutely nowhere. I think of somebody that pastored a church of 700 in my family. They have no belief that there is a God right now. We need to never doubt what God has already said. Hold on to his truth. God believes in us. Joshua may well have not felt up to the task, and I guess there are times where we feel lacking in various departments, scared of certain responsibilities, ending up relying on ourselves as opposed to on the one who is able to keep us from falling, Jude 24. And the one who's able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or Imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Right now. Right now. If you've kind of had a curry this afternoon, you can feel the curry going in and maybe having its effect and impact, whether it's through taste or otherwise. We're not aware of what it feels like about God doing his work within us. But according to his word, it is already in the ongoing present tense at work in each one of us. Who are believers. A good manager of a sports team believes in his players and seeks to get them to believe in themselves. We say, I can't do it. But God says, Yes, you can. Remember Bob the Builder? I think, Bob the Builder, we can't fix it. Yes, you can. We need to come to that sense of belief and trust that I might not feel as if I'm up to the task, but with his grace and his help, Yes, I can. And yes, you can. Finally, God encourages us to follow his word. Nothing really rocket science about these verses, but it's here and sandwiched in between verses 6 and 9. Be careful to obey 
all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. I don't think those verses at all uh, are advocating any prosperity gospel. That's a subject for another day. But what this is encouraging us to do is in the context of God's word, we are to submit to it. We're to stick to it. We're to speak it and we're to soak in it. We live in a world and a culture, don't we, where where books are read uh, less, where kids are just left in front of a TV screen, aren't they? Because then they're occupied and mum, dad or, uh, or childminder can then get on and do all those long lists of things that they, that they need uh, to get on with. Now, I'm sure there's a, there's a time and a place for, for TV, of course uh, there is. But what about the times where there used to be parents spending time reading with their children? I've got a friend of mine who's, uh, who teaches in an infant school. And they have to spend time going through with, with parents and uh, open days and um, the, the introductory days, uh, speaking about the importance of bedtime stories with children. Because most parents don't read stories at bedtime with their children. I think, well, doesn't every parent do that? No, not anymore. Maybe we're in the, the day as well of uh, just a few pictures that could be looked at. But actual reading, no. And of course that follows its way through, doesn't it? Because those children are going to get older children. Of course they're into stuff like this. And yes, we can get God's word on our phone, but most of the kids are not going to be interested in that. We're told as believers to not let go of God's word, aren't we? Be careful to obey, we're told in verse 7. Well, that's easy, isn't it? Well, of course, sometimes it is, but sometimes it isn't. Uh, am I the only one that struggles with this? No. Oh, I just thought I was looking out there and you were all looking very uh, very upright. And I mean, it is a simple phrase, isn't it? Care, be careful to obey. But the reality is, I mean, even Paul struggled, didn't he? Remember that quite comical ex- expressions that he used in, in Romans chapter 7? I don't understand what's going on. Here's God's word that I long to follow and do that stuff. But you know what, guys? All this stuff over here that I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing. And this stuff that I don't want to end up doing, that's the stuff that I end up doing instead of that which I really want to do. That tug of war going in, going on. We've got that daily tug of war, have we not? If we're honest, it is a struggle. Paul was honest about that sense of his feeling so wretched. But he said, thanks be to God for the grace that was in Jesus, but also the empowering as well from on high. We need not just that, um, that reminder of being careful to obey. There is, I believe, a speed limit on our roads. Signs with a red circle Black writing, 30. I believe that means don't drive over 30 mile an hour. Piece of cake, isn't it? Shall we go for a show of hands for drivers over this last... Maybe not. Simple point. It's not that easy, is it, to obey? 
Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. It's easy to venture off. Shall I tell you what else is quite easy? To justify what is not really right and to support it by a Bible verse. Obviously taken out of context and probably half the verse, but to pick the bits that fit what my opinion is. We can do that, can't we? And of course, when we say the same thing over and over and over, we get to believe it and end up doing the kind of stuff that maybe years ago we would have never done. I remember one preacher saying once, the trouble is, when we go down that road, sin doesn't feel like sin anymore and becomes a hobby. That's the warning, isn't it? Here, God's word to Joshua is, don't let this depart from your mouth. What do we do with our mouths besides tasting the curry that I was talking about uh, earlier? Well, for me, I believe it's going to be a lasagna later on, so I'm looking forward to that. Well, with our mouths, we speak out, don't we? There is power in that speaking out, the spoken word. If you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans chapter 10. If you confess, if you speak out, there is power in your testimony. If anybody was to ask you, how do you know God is real? What difference has God made in your life? You would have an audience by that person that asked you the question if you told them your story doesn't have to be a dramatic testimony of, well, I was a drug addict and then by the age of five, I then got saved out of it. It can be just you being honest about how you know that God has been there for you and been real for you. It doesn't have to be one of these majorly massive testimonies. Could well be, but it could well be a very different story. There is power within that. When people are baptised uh, here, um, we give people an opportunity. That's all it is, an opportunity if they'd like to share something of why they're doing that and how they came to faith and what difference God has made. I have never heard a bad testimony. Have you? Have you ever listened to someone talk about how God has saved them, changed their life and the difference he's made and thought, well, how boring is that? Wasn't that a load of rubbish? We're just mesmerised and caught up with what we long to all know, which is reality. There's power in that spoken word. Maybe this week for someone here, maybe several of you, God is going to use you in a way that you never yet dreamed this week through the power of something you're going to say. Don't say, well, I'm not a theologian. You don't have to be. What happened to the man that was, that was born blind? That then God gave him his sight back. Can you remember what his testimony was? Don't know how that's happened, but I'll tell you what, I was blind. But now I see, it's that bloke over there, his name's Jesus. But how did, no idea. But this is what happened, pal, I was blind, now I see. Ask him over there. That was his story. Had power. Had power. Maybe God is going to use you in something that you speak out this way. And lastly, the importance of soaking in God's word. To meditate on it day and night. Not in a legalistic sense, 
Some of you, I'm sure, have uh, what's commonly known as a quiet time. And please don't use this as an opportunity to nod uh, vigorously up and down so that we know that you, you, you do that and you feel very good letting everybody know about it. This isn't what that's about. But for some of you, that's an important thing. And you do that. And praise God if you do. It may well be you do that day and night. Even better. What is good is that we soak on this word. That we allow God's word to, uh, to penetrate our mind, our souls. Meditation is in, in our day. Church isn't, but meditation is. All sorts of spirituality are in to meditation. Maybe that's a conversation starter. Not to say, well, are you into church? Because the answer is probably going to be no. Oh yeah, I'm into meditation as well. Really? Tell me more. And then speak of what you've discovered through words that you've meditated on. People will understand the language of meditation. Loads of them. Books out there by the dozens, by the hundreds, on the value of meditation. Not to do with this. We've got God's living word. Meditate on this, is what God said to Joshua. And if he's going to say that that's important for the leader of God's people... He's going to say it's important to you and me. So we're on a journey. I don't know where you are in your own journey. I guess that's going to be different, isn't it? For each and every one of us. I've had opportunity to ask myself over this last month, where am I at in this journey? Not just for me, but where the church is at in this journey. You may well be just uh, on the, I've just arrived sussing out this church type place in your journey. That's fine. It may well be you've been here for years. It may well be you're somewhere in between. The question is still an important question for us each to reflect upon and ask, isn't it? Where are you at in your journey? What is God saying to you as we think through this whole sense of crossing over the Jordan? This new season that's arrived. For ourselves, it's in this new building, in this place called Poundbury that has not had a Christian church until we've arrived. There's been Christians here in uh, Poundbury. But what an opportunity. As yet the only Christian church in Poundbury. God, what would you say to us about how we're to be? What's our mission to be? What a massively important question to ask and to invite his leading us into. But as we ask that as a church, and church is people, not building. So the question is, what's my role within that? And it could well be that you're part of another church. So this isn't trying to nick you away from anywhere else. But if you're thinking through that whole thing of joining forces with us, because you're not in a church, or you've just moved into the area, please don't think about church as being an hour a week. And that's it. We're not the church for you. I might as well be upfront about it now. If what you're looking for is a place to be religious for an hour and then go home again until the following week, we ain't the church for you. You're going to get fed up with what we're talking about 24-7. We want to be stretched by God. We know he's brought us here for a reason. We've made a bucket load of mistakes. We're going to make a bucket load more. But we know that God has got a plan. God has got a purpose. God has got a mission. And what God says he starts, he carries on to completion. Book of Philippians teaches us that. 
That's true for us individually as well as it is for us as a body. Come and join us if you're seeking to be a part of us. Love to share with you further if you'd like to know more. But in the meantime, let's just pray and seek God together. I'm going to allow a moment silent where, regardless of whether or not you're listening to this online or if you're here this evening, just pause and ask God by his spirit to speak to you. Maybe just one reminding word as to what he would want you to hear and to take home with you uh, this evening. God, to speak by your spirit. What is it you're saying to us? We invite you to come and speak in Jesus' name now.